Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, welcome back to The Lake Show News Talk, 830-WCCO. Our next guest on the show, uh, we actually met in the midst of the pandemic. And uh, to this day, one of the things that I'm so thankful for in the last, uh, what, three, almost three and a half years is that we met because she is somebody that is one of my favorites here in the market, uh, one of my fam- uh, favorite uh, athletes slash analysts here in the great state of Minnesota, Rebecca Brunson from Valley Sports North joining us here on The Lake Show. Uh, Rebecca, how you been? We haven't talked in a while. Blake, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're one of my favorites as well, so I always appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate you uh, two times more. So, so let's let's get into it because your job right now is analyzing and breaking down the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I got to tell you, Rebecca, um, look, th- this is such a Jekyll and Hyde organization because one day I'm feeling calm, cool, and collected. The next day, they giving me uh, problems with my high blood pressure. What do you make of the start to this season? Because one day you lose a, a and blow a 19 point lead against the Atlanta Hawks, and then the you know a couple days later you beat the best team and the best player in all of basketball in the Denver Nuggets. What do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's tough. Um, you know, I think aside from that Atlanta game, even while the Wolves are trying to figure out their offense, because that's been the biggest issue so far this season, is them trying to figure out their offense. Like, what is it going to be? Who's going to be your guy? What are you going to end the game? What sets are working for you? Um, while they're trying to figure all that out, their defense has been really good. If you look outside of that one game, I mean, the Wolves have the best defense in the league. So, I think that there's a little bit of patience that probably needs to be had with them still trying to figure out how they're going to look offensively. You know, I think Finch is doing a good job of trying to give Cad and Rudy time to figure each other out because you have to remember they didn't have that time last season. And I know they had the time in the preseason to try to figure out their chemistry a little bit more, but that's the preseason. And those aren't real games. The pressure isn't on. Um, all the all the eyes aren't on you to figure out how you're going to succeed. So they're still trying to figure out how they're going to work the combination of four or five. You got Cat that's at the four now, um, trying to figure out how he's going to score. Um, but I think they'll figure that out. I, I know it's it's a little been a little bit of a rocky up and down start, but I think they'll figure out the offense. But let me ask you this, though, along those lines, how long, though, do you give it in in terms of truly looking at it and saying that this is where we're at in terms of our evaluation of how 
people fit within the confines of this offense. Because you're right, like the, the defensively, I think this team is going to be much better. Heck, Rudy Gobert said a couple of weeks ago, we're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the league, and hopefully, knock on wood, he's correct on that. But offensively, though, they are like. Right now. Yeah, but but like last year, we expected them to play a certain way. That had to go to the wayside because Carl Anthony Towns, right, he got injured. And so that was pretty much um, a throwaway season. Now that we're jump-starting and restarting and starting over here with a, a new season, how many games do we go into and say this is what this offense actually is? Is it 20 games? Is it 30? How do we look at it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's hard to say. I think that, you know, usually you want them to have it together by about 20 games. I mean, honestly, you want them to hit the ground running. You want it to be smooth right away, but it's not. Um, so I think 15, 20 games is probably a better benchmark. But, they're, like, you can already see that there are tangible things that this team could do to create more offense. And it gets aggressive going to the rim, getting fouled. That's instant offense right away, right? Cat knocking down some threes right now. He's shooting about 20-something percent from three on his career. You know, last season it was like 42%. So if mm-hmm. he knocks down more threes, that instantly creates more offense. Um, they have a good defense, so maybe – but they don't turn people over. So if maybe, you know, they get to a point where the Wolves, they can turn play, uh, teams over and get some offense that way. Um, that'll work on. But I would say, you know, about 15, 20 games, they should be a little bit more well-oiled, get some of the kinks out. They have a good opportunity versus Utah because Utah is at the bottom of the league defensively. So <laughs> they should be able to figure some things out and make some things work against Utah. Yeah, we're talking to Rebecca Brunson here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830WCCO. Give her a follow on Twitter, or if you want to call it X, you can at twin fifteen thirty two. All right, so you know, with the start to the season here and the and the Wolves being uh, two and two, some people out there, and I say some because it's a small minority that are looking and saying, "Man, well, we thought that Anthony Edwards was going to go next level after the way that he played this past summer." And look, the bottom line is, I believe that Anthony Edwards is going to he is a next level player, and I don't think anybody should be concerned in the first week of the season that he hasn't like totally dominated every single game. But the thing that I love about Anthony Edwards, Rebecca, is that Ant at times just kind of picks and chooses spots. And I'm not saying that he's lazy on offense or he's not attacking or whatever, but he's not somebody that that is when when he's trying to feel the game out, there's one thing that you know about Anthony Edwards, that he knows at a certain point in the game when to step his game up. Am I correct with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that he, you know, I think that sometimes he, understands the importance of games so he may push a little bit and that's when you see him taking a lot of those mid-range shots you see him trying to force the offense a little bit more um, I, I think that he understands the, the importance of the games but you know he's a young guy still that needs to kind of get a little bit more of a feel for it and you know we talk about captain at the four um, as a, like a position shift and being your primary ball handler as much as you push that that narrative, that's a little bit of a position shift for him because now he's trying to control what everybody else is doing and he's not just able to control himself, right? So that takes a little bit of his off the way. Um, but he does have a good feel for understanding the importance of games, but I think his growth and maturity will be, I think, feeling and understanding when to pick his spots a little bit more and what to do when he picks his spots, right? So if he understands that it's his time to get a bucket, then maybe it's getting downhill, instead of settling for the mid-range, right? So you know, I think that there's still some levels of growth for Ant, but 
phenomenal player, and I think he'll get there. Rebecca, I tell you right now, Nas Reed, he got new money in the summer, and Nas Reed is going to work. I like what I'm seeing from Nas uh, season. Uh, I just enjoy the fact that we we got a guy that went undrafted, and I got still to this day got to give a lot of props to Gerson Rosas because this young man has truly taken this uh, advantage of this opportunity. He's gotten better each and every year, and it looks like he's going to continue that uh, growth in the Minnesota Timberwolves organization. Yeah, I think that that was one of the most important things that the Wolves did this offseason was figuring out how to keep Nasri. I mean, if you think back to him going undrafted and then his first minutes as a in a Timberwolves jersey came out, some threes down, played confidently. So he's been one of my favorites since he's been here. But I think the level of, like, efficiency that he brings to this team is top-notch. You can give him the ball in any situation, and he's going to be able to go to work, whether it be on the perimeter, whether it be in the post. He's probably one of the best um, post-up players on this team with his ability to turn right, turn left shoulder, face up, all of those things. So he's a guy, talking to uh, Jim Pete the other day, and I said that Nas really reminds me of, like, a 2010, like, Lamar Odom. Right when Lamar Odom was shooting 38% from the three, handling the ball in the in the open floor, had a great little floater left hand. I mean, he really gives me that energy, and that's like championship Lamar Odom, right? So I think that yeah. that was just one of the best that the Wolves did in the off season because he's a player that's going to continue to get better. And you, when you put him in, you know something good is going to happen. It's nice to see Jay McDaniels back. Uh, clearly, we, we missed him in the postseason. It would have been nice to have had a, a playoff series against the Denver Nuggets, having Nas and mm-hmm. having Jaden and being completely healthy. But uh, Jaden McDaniels coming back, uh, just, just talk about what he brings to this this table, to to this organization, with his uh, great blend of both uh, being a defensive stopper as well as his offense. Yeah, First, I think that he doesn't get enough credit for what he does on the offensive end. Like, We'll get into his defense, one of the best defenders in the league. I think everybody in the league understands that. He's an elite defender. He uses his length um, perfectly. He uses angles perfectly. He's able to, you know, lock down smaller guards. He's able to lock down, you know, taller guards using his length to an advantage. So his defense is off the charts, right? A 90th percentile defensively, what he's able to do. Um, and guarding one-on-one and in ball screen actions. But on the offensive end, he's so efficient. Um, he's another guy that the Wolves can use coming off of pin-down screens, like playing in the pick and roll. He doesn't make a lot of bad decisions. Uh, he's going to take his time and make the right reads. If he has it, he'll go, right? He's really good bumping, finishing. Or he's going to distribute the ball to, to get it to somebody that needs to have it as well as being a knockdown uh, corner three-baller. So he has the talk about three and D players in the NBA all the time, and he's definitely one of those guys that is really good and underrated offensively, Not does not make a lot of mistakes offensively, and then defensively you can put him on really anybody. Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. We're talking to Rebecca Brunson, uh, the uh, the analyst from Bally Sports North here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. I will see you more than likely, more likely than not, uh, tomorrow night. I will be in the building. I will be there yeah. watching uh, the Utah Jazz. But I will not be in my media seat. I'm actually going to be sitting Where with a buddy of mine who's – 
Yeah, I'm going to be sitting. A buddy of mine, um, Olafu, is coming in from Kansas City. His son is Ochai Abaji, who plays for the Utah Jazz. You know me. I'm Rock Chalk Jayhawk. You know, that's that's my squad. So I'm going to be sitting with them. But I will be rooting for the Wolves. You know that. I ain't going to be rooting for the Jazz. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. But I will try to connect with you at some point during the, uh, during the evening at the game. But I do want to ask you one more final question before I let you go um, that's okay. not Timberwolves related. And it has to do with... The number one overall pick, Victor Wimbanyana. Look, Ooh. Rebecca, I want I want to get I want to get your uh, an, uh, analysis of him because I watched last night and I've watched a couple games so far. Um, the two games they played against the Phoenix Suns. I don't know if you're like me, but Victor's already or they call him Wimby. He's already a problem. He's already a problem. And last night he went for like 38 points and 10 rebounds. I'm saying, I think, like, how do you guard him? <laughs> because his handles are nice and he'll be able to take you off the bounce. You can't really put a guard on him because they're going to be too small. You saw Book was on um, last night and he just asked for lobs. They threw it at the rim. So his ability to, like, operate on the perimeter the way that he does and his height, his size, his wingspan, he, he is a he is an issue. And I, I think that he still has some growth to do because, like, you might see him get in foul trouble because he needs to learn how to understand, you know, the refereeing over here may be a little bit different. Your ability to touch players is a little bit different than it is when you're a um, little bit more of a physical game over there, like a handsy game, hands-on. So once he figures that out, he is a problem. Like you said, he's already a problem. His his calm and his like being collective and clutch moments is really special for a young guy. Like he had four yeah. fouls against Dallas, I think, and he came back in, hit a couple buckets, like no problem, like like nothing had happened. So and and yeah. that uh, Phoenix game last night, when Phoenix was coming back and making their run, got a little lob, hit a three. Catch and shoot mid range. Like, I don't know. He's going That's to get it, 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 the same yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think the biggest thing that you can look and say about him is we can talk about the block shots, we can talk about the handles, we can talk about the shooting stroke and all that, whatever. But you just mentioned the most significant thing probably that we didn't really talk about that much with him is he's not phased by it. Like, he's not phased by the moments. Yep. He ain't phased by the runs. Devin Booker's talking trash after they was down, like, 19, and they tied the game up. And Wimby's just like, okay, all right, let's go. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I, he didn't have to say a thing. He's not – I mean, he, he's so mature in that way. And I think it's probably because he's been playing professionally for a long time overseas. And, you know, they say that everything was geared towards him being a professional so he is ready for his moment. He's like, I'm here, this is my moment, and I'm going to go to work. And, you know, the Wolves will be able to see him pretty soon. Um, two games out, they'll be able to yeah. face the Spurs for the first time this season. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that's going to be that. fun. Yeah. Hey, Rebecca, hey, we'll see you at the uh, at the gym tomorrow night at Target, uh, uh, Target Center. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the Lake Show. For sure. Hey, grab some cookies while you're on the concourse, Lake. Oh, well, we got cookies on the concourse. All right, we're going to check it out. We're going to check it out. All right, thank you so much to Rebecca Brunson, uh, Valley Sports North analyst, joining us here on The Lake Show. And speaking of the Wolves, um, 
In today's paper, Chip Scoggins from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, he says that Nas Reed has a confession. What is that confession? We'll get to that next year on The Lake Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we were just talking wolves with uh, Rebecca Brunson. Here on the Lake Show. And in today's Star Tribune, Chip Scoggins, it says here, I'm just going to read this to you. Nas Reed has a confession. As a young NBA player, he would check social media after games to see what fans were saying about him. Makes sense, right? That's I mean, we all do that stuff, right? Well, I don't. But they do. I mean, they're professional athletes. The answer was always two words. Nas Reed. Guys, that is the thing that here locally, I I don't know like what happens in a lot of other cities, NBA cities around the country, with players who typically aren't starters. But Nas Reed, the amount of attention and love that he gets from the fan base here is off the charts. Like being a guy that went undrafted. Being a guy that's developed in this organization, because remember, for the longest time, we didn't develop guys. For the longest time, the only player that developed in the Timberwolves organization was Kevin Garnett and Kevin Love. And then eventually, Cat came here, and now Anthony Edwards is blossoming. But for the, think about that. In all the years that we've had a team, those are the only guys that have blossomed and gotten better from one year to the next. That, that's, yeah, it's not a good look. But Nas Reed is the fan favorite. I, I think it's safe to say that of all the players that play for the Minnesota Timberwolves, he is the fan favorite. And when I say that, I'm not saying that fans don't love Anthony Edwards because everybody's an Anthony Edwards fan, number one pick overall. Everybody loves Carl Anthony Towns for the most part, number one pick overall. Everybody loves Nas Reed. And, and, and they just utilize just his first and last name as the answer for what ails the Wolves from one game to the next, Nas Reed. Because he's pretty consistent. So i got to give him a lot of credit. But Nas Reed, man, he, he's he's such a likable young man, right? He's somebody that, that he's soft-spoken. He just works his tail off. You love the way that he plays. He can go inside. He can go out. Um, gives a lot of effort when he plays. And I really feel like the last year and a half, going from 
having a small fan base of Nas Reed fans. It's massively grown to everybody's a Nas Reed fan. And let's be honest, you know what else has dramatically gave his gave the Timberwolves fans um, even more of a fascination and love for Nas Reed? You know what else has done that, Chris? The number one thing that has done that here in the last, I don't know how many months, he took less to stay here. Nas Reed could have went to another market yep. and made a lot more money. He took less money to stay in a Timberwolves uniform because what do you say? I love it here. Yeah, and I think that's something that really stands out. That's probably one of the things that I want to hear athletes say when you're, you know, when you have that sort of support. It's like, well, I hope that the, you know, the outpouring that we do see for a guy like Nas Reed, and I feel like it's genuine, right? I don't feel like it's part of a bit or a gimmick. Like, I feel like there's a genuine support from Timberwolves fans to Nas Reed, and I hope that he can feel it right back, that people are, I mean, he's got this, this, this following that is just, it's just so cool because it's just so organic. And, yeah, you're not going to go someplace else and, and maybe get the same thing. So I feel like it's, you know, it's a win-win. The fan base loves him. It seems like he genuinely enjoys the fan base and being here. And plus, I mean, he's a really, really big part of this team. And if this team goes anywhere this year, Nas Reed is going to be a big reason why. Yeah. I do want to say this here. Um, and this news broke a couple of hours ago. And I'm thankful that the the head coach at Park Center High School, uh, James Ware, sent me this note. Uh, but congratulations to Cash uh, Shavis, who ends up announcing that he is going to attend the University of Washington. Okay, the University of Washington. Clearly, that's a, a high D1. Um, I've heard a lot about this kid. Um, I've heard he's got a lot of game. I just want to say congratulations to him and congratulations to Coach Ware because it means a lot for kids to go – and be able to follow through on their hopes and dreams. And there's so many kids that will never get an opportunity to play at a Division One college, and this kid gets that opportunity. And to me, it's not just about him and his hopes and dreams, but also the work that's been put in by the, uh, the coaching staff, um, his family, and their support. So I just want to say congratulations to that young man, Cash, uh, and Coach Weir for all the work that he's put into uh, to, to that player as well as all the other players. It sounds like his final four choices – were um, Washington, which he selected, over Georgia, okay, University of Georgia, a little SEC country, uh, West Virginia, and Arizona State. So congratulations to Cash, and I, and I wish him nothing but the best. All right, 651-461-9226. Coming up next, we'll get uh, another look at the local weather. And then after that, you know, to the hockey parents out there, because there's been a lot of conversation uh, with regards to net guards. Where do we stand with net guards? It's percolated. It's being talked about a lot more following the tragic death of Adam Johnson. Where are we at with that? We get to it next year on The Lake Show. One of the big stories in the last week was the very unfortunate and tragic and freakish situation, a freak accident that happened with Adam Johnson, the former UMD hockey star that was playing overseas, um, slashed in the throat, um, unfortunately passed away. Uh, one of the things that's come up here over the course of this last week is the the conversation about protective net guards, and I, I think it's it's good that we're that this that is being talked about and discussed because anytime that there is a tragedy 
because you never want to see anybody lose their life. Anytime that there's a tragedy, we look and we say, how can we prevent another one of these tragedies? Okay. And is this a rare situation? No question. This is not a typical, we see this a lot, you know, like you watch a football game and guys get concussions all the time. We, we, we rarely see someone die in a football game um, or have in, uh, a serious injury to that effect. Uh, and this is a rarity with the sport of hockey. But I do like the fact that this, this conversation is being had and is taking place. And this is a, a teachable moment. This is something that we can learn from and we can evaluate and, and be honest about where we're at with safety, with the sport of hockey. Many hockey organizations do not require neck guards, okay? Uh, They are rarely worn in the NHL, college hockey, or even top-level minor leagues. Uh, Rejected by players, according to um, a story that I'm seeing from uh, Rachel Blum from the uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune, because a lot of players find them uncomfortable or restrictive, okay? But even though that may indeed be the case, um, Adam Johnson's death has prompted the calls um, by some, not by everybody, by some, uh, to make neck protectors mandatory. This is the state of hockey. I think it's, I, I think it's important that we, that at least for me, that I bring up this conversation on this show to get a, a feel and a sense from the hockey community out there where they are with the neck guards. Um, do you think that this is something that should be mandated, if not mandated on all levels, mandated at certain levels? Because one of the things that they mentioned is that there was a young man that uh, that died in Connecticut, Teddy Balkind, 16, died January of last year when he was injured during a prep school game. And that another tragic loss. And a lot of people look at it. Now, that loss of that uh, of Teddy did not lead to any major U.S. hockey organizations making net uh, protectors mandatory. But I think that people are going to continue to talk about it. And I do want to, before we get to any reaction on the text line at 651-461-9226 or take phone calls, I do want to get to, I think, some very important comments in this article today. Phenomenal job, a great story put together by Rachel from the current men's hockey coach at the University of Minnesota, Bob Mosco. Listen to this quote. He says, we've ordered neck guards. Okay. Now they're playing UMD in a home and home this weekend. Okay. Game's taking place right now. A game tonight at seven, game tomorrow uh, up into at seven. We're going to have them available for guys who want to wear them. And we're going to promote it. So just from that alone, they're not mandating it. But they're going to have them available if, if somebody wants to wear them and they're going to promote it. This is what, this is what Bob says. Okay. This is the head coach of the University of Minnesota. Should they be mandatory, especially at the youth age? Yes. I think it's time. And once you start wearing them as a kid, you wear them all the way through. Let's start a whole new generation of putting those on. I find that very interesting that Bob Mosco is saying, I think it's time that we teach the younger generation when we're talking about safety and we don't want anybody else out there to 
to, 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 to have a tragic situation like this. And one of the things that's mentioned in there is that going back to a study in 2009 of USA Hockey registered players, 1.8%, very low percent, that's why we talk about how rare um, a very serious and a tragic situation like this is, 1.8% reported having a neck laceration. Now, how, I mean, in terms of looking at that, like how honest are the, the athletes and the players, not quite sure. But I, I'm glad that this is a talker. I don't know where you're at with it, Chris, but but I do like whenever in the midst of a tragic situation something arises and something comes up, um, I, I like that we have a conversation about how do we keep um, people safer. Yeah, I, the neck is a very, very vulnerable part of the body. And as somebody who has suffered a serious neck injury myself, I, I, I get really squeamish when I hear about any sort of injuries. So this is something that I don't think you can you can go to lengths too extreme to protect the neck because it's so important with the thyroid cartilage, you know, with the carotid artery, with you know, so many parts, you know, not to mention the vertebrae, you know, on the back. Back, I, I'm just talking about the front. There's absolutely no reason why you can't implement this as an added level of safety. It might be uncomfortable now. But if mm-hmm. you start, you know, it'll just become part of your, you know, a part of your equipment, you know, part of the prep. And you might have to, you know, figure out your breathing a little bit more. But at the end of the day, is this little bit of being uncomfortable? Is it worth the peace of mind that you've got an added layer of protection to one of the most important parts of your body? I say unequivocally. Yes, this is something, and I appreciate Bob Mosco just coming out and saying this is something we should implement at the youth level. And, and this is the thing that I love about this, is that Coach Mosco, he knows that coming out and saying this, that there's going to be people that will push back on it. But this is the thing. He's coming from a different angle, I think. And I think that people will respect this. Coach Mosco lost a child, not not on the ice, Right, like his son was killed because somebody was was negligent and 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 put his his son in a situation where they took his life. Yes, but but what 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 I'm saying is is that do I think that he wants other people's children or other athletes or, or people that he's does he want to see another tragedy happen when it could be avoided? No, he doesn't. He's trying mm-hmm. to do what he can. To maybe possibly save a life. You're looking out. Yeah, you're looking out for the well-being of the athletes, and ultimately, that's at the end of the day, hockey is a game. Hockey should not be something that is life or death. You want to mitigate the risk, and I just don't know why you wouldn't seriously look to mitigate that risk by adding an extra layer of protection to an area. It's, it's Henry. It's not like you're adding more shin pads or thigh pads, or you know, adding something to the helmet. You you are adding something to a part of the body that yep. is extremely vulnerable, and they you might not have this happen very often. It might be a very minimal you know amount of time that it happens, but we just saw when it does happen. Look at how serious it can be. So I, I you know, for those that are pushing back, you, I mean, you're just a bunch of nincompoops.
Well, I, I think that I think that the, the the big point about this is that I don't have. A, I think it's I think it's good to promote and have young people get adjusted to it and acclimated to it. Do I think that at the college and pro level that that will be that this will ever be a thing? Probably not. I, I just don't see that. But at least at the youth level, and I don't even know about even the high school level. But but like but like early on and getting acclimated to the game and starting as a young kid. I have no issue with but, but, if they were to say that this is mandatory. But why why wouldn't you implement it if you do it at the youth level? You know, these accidents could happen. We saw it at the yep. professional level. So I, I, yep. I don't I don't know. No, I get that. Yeah, I, I get that. I, 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 yeah. I, no, I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. But I, I think that the reason why I say that is with younger people, you got to protect younger people from themselves as opposed to when somebody gets to be a grown ass man. Then they can make that decision for themselves whether they want to wear it or not. And I'm not saying that that. I mean, Adam Johnson was 29, young, right? Very a young, young yes. person, young but, but, a, but, a, but, a, but a grown adult. If if you're 29, right now today, you can make up your mind and say, I'm going to wear one. And and, right? and and maybe and yeah, and maybe and maybe that's what you do is is you do give them the option. But right now, if they don't have the option, you you need to get that equipment out to hockey players at any level and let them ultimately make the decision. Yeah, maybe maybe once you do get into, you know, the pros, maybe even make it mandatory at the college level. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like this it's going to spur a conversation and it should about that added layer of safety. Yep. All right, six five one four six one nine two two six. That is the city's one plumbing talk and text line. Love to get your reaction. Love to get your take on this topic. But coming up next, it's time for headlines. We do that next year on the Lake Show. All right, back at it here on the Lake Show. Time to dive into headlines here. Final headlines of the week with Christopher Tubbs at the news desk. So, what do we have for headlines on this Friday evening? One C Tubbs. All right, uh, H Lake. Let's get to it. A 36-year-old man is facing a life sentence after being found guilty of an Edina Prairie domestic homicide. Prosecutors say Ryan Charles Rooney killed his wife in a hotel room, the 7700 block of Flying Cloud Drive, in November 2021. Investigators have said after killing his wife, Rooney shot himself, but he survived. Investigators, this is probably the most disturbing part of it, Lake. Investigators also found two young children in the room who were unharmed, but had been obviously neglected. There were also two, uh, several drugs and at least one gun, according to police. Rooney has a long criminal history, including convictions for domestic violence and drug offenses. Sentencing is set for sometime in early December. Oh, man. <clears throat> the... um. I feel for the kids that were in the hotel room that were unharmed, but they weren't unharmed. They may have physically been unharmed, but, man, they are traumatized for the rest of their lives. They are emotionally, um, they have to deal with those scars forever. And so, uh, man, you you hear that story, you think about that, and that's just a very tragic situation. Very, very tragic situation. He killed his wife. Yeah, that's the first thing that I thought of was, you know, what do those kids witness and how are they going to have to deal with it for the rest of their life? That's instantly where, where my yeah, mind How went. do you process that? I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I don't think that's something you can process because you're just a child, you know, just a child. 
Hey, a former appointee of Donald Trump was sentenced Friday to 70 months in prison for his violent role in January 6, 2021's insurrection. Frederico Klein, a former State Department appointee, was found guilty following a bench trial before Judge Trevor McFadden this summer of multiple counts, including assaulting multiple officers that day. Quote, your actions in January 6th were shocking and egregious, said McFadden, who's also a Trump appointee during the sentencing. According to the judge, Klein assaulted an officer during an initial breach in the Capitol grounds, telling the officer, quote, you can't stop us. McFadden also detailed several other assaults on officers from Klein, many of which occurred in the Lower West at Ter- uh, Terrace Tunnel, one of the most violent scenes that day. This is a government of law, not of men, McFadden said, adding that Klein had, quote, betrayed your office. Now, during Friday's sentencing, former U.S. Capitol Police Sergeant uh, Aquilino, Aquilino Gunnell told the court that Klein had attacked him multiple times with a police riot shield. Gunnell questioned how someone who took the same oath as I did to protect the Constitution could be involved in such an assault in the Capitol. Investigators found several images of Klein in the riot allegedly using a police riot shield to wedge open an entrance for rioters and fighting against a police line for several minutes, according to his arrest affidavit. Klein wore a red Make America Great Again hat, then changed into a United States Marine Corps hat during the riot, this according to investigators. Stanley Woodward, Klein's attorney, said in a court that Klein had not planned to attack the Capitol that day, adding that, quote, no one person caused January 6th. Woodward, who also represented Trump's co-defendant Walt Nauta in the classified documents case in Florida, noted that Klein had worked on Trump's 2016 campaign. Klein's actions on January 6th, Woodward said, were, quote, not a betrayal of his service in the military and the State Department, but was, quote, of attending what they called a protest gone wrong. Look, uh, 70 months, that's that's a lengthy uh, sentence. But let me say this. First off, you got to be out of your mind when you're on the grounds of the Capitol and you're saying face-to-face to police, you can't stop us. Like, that's just, what? And then on top of that, um, I fully disagree with his <laughs> with his attorney. When he says that this was not a betrayal of his service in the military and the State Department, uh, what? That that it was part of attending a protest turned wrong? No, this is part of an insurrection. What what part are you missing, dude? Get it together. I mean, you're you're a government official. Has it not sunk in? Yeah, I, I mean, you're you're a government official, and you're doing this like. You should know better. Like those people should know better. But being a a member of the government, like that, dude, you're just that's terrible. Yeah, no, seventy months. He could have gotten more. I would have been fine with it. Man, I just think I just uh, let me leave it at that. Coming up next, state and local election workers are quitting their jobs. But why? We get to that next year on the Lake Show. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.